Hello and welcome to Ship It, Shout It, your product management and product marketing podcast. As always, I've got Daniel Thomason here in the product management corner. <laughs> and we've got me, Lena Höck, in the product marketing corner. Woo! Also, woo. I guess it's a colla it's, I've been acting like it's like a boxing ring kind of thing, but we're not really adversaries. No, uh, we're collaborators. Buddies. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> Welcome back to our mini series on open borders, our second mini series woo. of season two. <laughs> woo! Uh, this is the third and last episode in the mini series, which woo. means it's launch time. Um, I love launch time. Launch time. And so last time, just so you remember, if you haven't listened to it yet, better go listen to it now because otherwise you'll know what the ending is. Mm. Uh, so last time was about the roadmap, what comes before the MVP, what is the scope of the MVP and how do we communicate it? And mm -hmm. today though, we've launched it. Well, we, we're pretending we've launched it um, <laughs> and we're thinking about how do we measure the results, yes. um, feedback collection, measuring success, all some of my favorite topics as a product all manager. The fun stuff. I'm super excited. All right. So take it away, Lena. As we said in the very first episode <sighs> of this mini series. Seems like ages ago now. It really does. The first thing, if you remember, we did was to ask our world CEO, what were they trying to achieve with this project? So meaning what metrics are we trying to move here? Mm -hmm. We didn't tell you back then, but actually our world CEO told us and she said there are a few different ones we're measuring. So the first one is all about prosperity. So we're looking at GDP numbers. Mm -hmm. We're looking at wages. We're looking at things like new companies started, jobs created, all that kind of stuff. I guess it's GDP per capita as well, particularly for open borders, um, because <laughs> that would make sense. Yeah, so yeah. Be, be careful on that one. She didn't say that, but let's just. She assume. didn't say that. But she, but she meant it. She meant it. She meant it. <laughs> um, so that's prosperity. The second one would be security. Mm. So anything like crime stats, and maybe also like a safety perception. You could ask it in a survey, for example. And this is, this is, sorry, you were saying like, uh, kind of ask people how, how do safe they feel? do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of an interesting that those two, that, that you brought up that, that pair first, the prosperity yeah. and security, because the prosperity is kind of the positive looking goal. Like yeah. that's where we're trying to get to. And the security is kind of the number one objection to this. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So I think it's, it's really important that we're measuring that as well, just because money isn't everything so pe if people feel insecure all of a sudden that's going to be a huge objection to to open borders it's also one of those kind of it's the the guidance from i can't remember where i'll link it in the website i'll link one on the website but it's the advice that whatever you're trying to optimize for also uh, yeah. measure mm -hmm. the complementary or the sort of an opposing yeah. metric to make sure that you're not uh, you know, just drilling one. down on one thing exactly. while everything like else goes out hurting window. yourself somewhere yeah. else exactly yeah, okay what, what else did we uh, want to look at usage so ah. that would be migration stats. Also things like integration level. Interesting. So just making sure, I guess, that people are using <laughs> our open borders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our prosperity project. Are you actually, are you actually crossing? Come on. It's yeah. open. <laughs> Why aren't you crossing? Get in there. But also, you know, like it, I guess the the movement to a new country isn't isn't enough. That's not that's not the end goal we have in mind, the end goal we have in mind also is like an integration into, you know, the like the community or, there. Yeah. Then we also want to measure sentiment. So happiness of the people. Mm -hmm. 
again, we could do this, this very easily in the survey, like how happy do you feel? And I think there are a few other ways. I, I've, I've had a brief back in the day thing in terms of like how to measure happiness in economics papers. Oh, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff around this. So anyway, well, this we'll is a digression. We'll instrument somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, I guess, measure attitude towards the project is also quite ah, interesting. like a CSAT score somehow, like customer <laughs> satisfaction with like yeah, exactly. us with the prosperity project. Yeah. Would you vote for us in the next election kind of thing? <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think those are... Those are the ones that I came up with, and um, pretty good list. Those are the ones that I feel directly get at the project. Sure, you know I'm, I'm sure there are very like a lot of sort of secondary um, metrics that we can measure, but I think I felt those were the most important. Mm-hmm. And then as a last point, um, measuring widely is really important here. So we don't just want to, you know, for example, measure all of those metrics for someone who has used the prosperity project this is you know this is really for everyone we want to make everyone prosper whether you are someone who's um who's like migrating or whether you're someone who's just staying where they are you should still prosper so we're, we're measuring everyone that'll be kind of an important part of the communication but exactly we'll return yeah. to that in a little bit yeah. um yeah. and yes okay we now know what we want to look at and then the question becomes how do we collect these mm-hmm. data and how do we analyze them as well yeah um, and I think one of the pretty critical things here is potentially there's a trust building exercise to be yeah, done here. Yeah. If we say, look, you can trust us, please. <laughs> but we know that we are. People are like, well, you clearly have an agenda here. A little bit. So like, it's kind of a don't like, don't ask a barber if you need a haircut mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so if we say, we know we're not a credible source of truth about this so we're going to tie our hands here and say and we're going to get a third party um, a trusted independent body Mm -hmm. whether it's an academic institution are probably well suited to this or some sort of international uh, i don't know think tank tank, or yeah yeah, something Mm -hmm. something that's got a suitably suitably good reputation um for for unbiased analysis yeah and we say look we're putting in their hands. We're going to hand over all the data to them. Um, and then they're going to publish their findings in a way we are just going to wait and see as mm-hmm. well as you. Yeah. And I can't, I guess the analogy here is there's sometimes, particularly at bigger companies, if there are political wranglings happening around <laughs> product features, sometimes you can kind of come to loggerheads with a stakeholder or sometimes mm-hmm. two stakeholder groups clash a little bit. And so ensuring that the team or the person doing the data analysis is trusted by both sides of the warring yeah, factions right. means that there's not going to, the, the, the fight is not going to descend to the point of that number you talked about is crap. Yeah, it's like the outside person, the data analyst that actually come up with this and we trust we trust that person. Exactly, because then yeah. you can talk about, okay, we trust the analysis, what do we what does that mean rather than the analysis? Like we don't even trust the analysis because yeah. you then you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. Basically. Or another example would be um, those like rating organizations, I guess, giving out um, independent scores to all companies within an industry, for example, but they have nothing to do with the company per se. They're just coming, looking in from the outside and giving a score. Or at least ostensibly, <laughs> but that's a different conversation. Yes. Um, Okay, so we're going to get a third party to do it. And now the question becomes, how, are the, how can they measure accurately the effect of this, yeah. this, this new product? Because you might be tempted to say, okay, roll it out and see what GDP is before and after. Yeah. Trouble is GDP 
typically grows over time and so and and sort of things like crime and so on are on a downwards trend and so if yeah. you do a before and after you're just going to benefit from whatever it's trend. like cool yeah hooray <laughs> um, so then like and it's the same in a product context if you if you just do it a before and after comparison you'll you'll run the risk of just riding whatever wave was already yeah. was already going maybe you did do a good job maybe you didn't uh it's just kind of hard to tell um, attributed correctly exactly and and that's going to be unfortunate especially for something of this size where you're yep. spending so much time and effort on it not being able to actually accurately attribute causality is kind of unfortunate yes and so the classic way to fix this though is an experimental setup or what in the product development world would be an a b test where you randomly assign treatment as it, that is being able to use the product or yep. use the feature mm-hmm. and not being uh, being assigned to that. And because you randomly assign that, you can say, okay, statistically, these two populations, um, they would have had the same outcomes had we let them go on yeah. with their lives without this. As it is, everything else in their lives is statistically equal apart mm-hmm. from one of them is exposed to the prosperity project the other one unfortunately at least for the period of the test didn't get to have that yeah um and i mean this this idea is it's not just popular in software development no. it like this idea of a randomized control trial this is how medicine works for example yeah um and it's an idea that's cut, catching on in the developmental economics world quite a lot like running these randomized control trials is sort of becoming the gold standard for expensive interventions because mm-hmm. then you can really go back and say, okay, look, we tried giving deworming tablets to mm-hmm. to um, this village and we randomly assigned it. And look, the, the group that got it had much better health outcomes, much better education outcomes. We can say with confidence that giving these tablets mm-hmm. leads to this much of an improvement rather yep. than just throw the tablets out there and hope yep. kind of thing. Yep. And then the one caveat with this, and again, this is a learning from development economics, is that the criticism thrown at them is, well, look, you've got this big intervention you think mm-hmm. is going to be good. How dare you limit Hold access back. to yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yes, I can understand where people are coming from with this, but I think the I think it's pretty easy rejoinder to this. You can point them to the world of medicine and just say, look, there are life-saving drugs. If you take the people entered into the study with these life-saving drugs, half of them are getting sugar tablets. Because we need to run trials like that to be able to say that the drugs really save lives and don't have horrible side effects. And yes, it's unfortunate to be the people who got the placebo rather than the than the drug. But that's how, as a society, like as a, as a sort of global humanity, that's the only way we can help even more people. It's kind of how research and progress works, right? Kinda. And 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 at least it's fair at the perspective of it's randomized. And so we're not picking our favorites mm-hmm. who who get to be be part of the prosperity project and who 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 don't. We are flipping a coin for you. And so Yeah. I would prefer to be included in the in the group rather than uh, not, yeah. but at least the process was fair. Yeah. Um, and I guess if this is successful, then the process can be rolled out to everyone and it will eventually come your way. Exactly, which is perhaps a cold comfort if yeah. you were really hoping. You, yeah, you're for sure. It. But still, I, like, I think in these sort of situations, you've got to be a bit of a hard-nosed utilitarian. Mm. Um, anyway, which leads kind of, I guess, to the, the next question of the, the time <laughs> yeah. frame, how long are you going to be waiting? When will I get my <laughs> prosperity project? Exactly. <laughs> um, I was in the control group, damn it. How long is it going to be? Um, 
unfortunately for our poor control group person, I think the time frame for this sort of thing is going to have to be reasonably what? long. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's similar to um, similar to a product intervention where if you've got a feature that targets a metric that's quite slow moving or that you can only measure with a lag. I mean, the example mm-hmm. for me was I used to work at a travel company. Mm-hmm. And if we ever targeted conversions, that is actually booking a vacation rental, these tests would have to run for quite a long time because the, the the gap between people initially coming to the website and booking could often be several weeks long. Right. And then we also needed to wait to see if they then cancelled the booking because mm-hmm. like booking isn't good enough. What you want is book it, booked, paid, actually took the trip. Yeah, yeah. And this in this case, it's even longer because mm-hmm. what we want to, people to do is move to a new country, mm-hmm. integrate, Get a job, be happy, contribute mm-hmm. to the <laughs> contribute yeah, yeah, to yeah. the economy. Done in two weeks. I mean, exactly. So <laughs> it's gonna. Well, I'm thinking maybe at least three weeks. Um, so ah, if you're slow. But in seriousness, probably this is going to be at least a year, if not more, like yeah. two to three years. Yeah. Um, and I mean, honestly, as a, a migrant, yes, um, I think it took me. I want to say. I mean, my first year was a working holiday visa, kind of thing, but like. It clearly took me at least like a year or two to, I don't know, like be part of the Australian society, really. Yeah, and I mean that was properly. That was like, and you were you were a pretty um, fast uh, migrant because you already you. you came in with. <laughs> well, I'm just guessing, but um, yeah, you yeah, came yeah. in. You with, have no idea what I was like. like <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but um, I mean, you came in with strong English skills. You yeah, came yeah. in with. Um, a, a, like a decent level of education already, all this yeah. sort of stuff. So you were on the kind of uh, upper upper edge. Yeah, of- I think kind of like my my basis, I suppose, was quite good already. Exactly. And so like if you think of you as the sort of optimistic case, then presumably mm-hmm. like one to two years is kind of the median at best, if not like yeah, lower sure. bound on what we can expect. Yeah. Okay, so-, so meaning I will be waiting quite a while for my prosperity project membership potentially and also we'll be waiting a while for results but at least we'll get good results right yeah and this is interesting because i think while we're waiting for those results and i agree like this is important to wait for a long time uh, because it it takes a while (laughs) what happens in the meantime though is that the world goes on and people will keep thinking about it and and in the meantime demanding answers (laughs) (laughs) well Looking at potentially, you know, like news coming out of about the um, prosperity project where something bad has happened. I mean, it just takes one migrant to have like correct someone or something. Exactly. The difficulty here, in terms of a commu- communication perspective and in terms of a keeping up the positivity perspective, is that you need to wait until you have until you can say whether it was successful or not. But in the meantime... Other people are calling it for you. Exactly. <laughs> so other so people will shape your story, yeah. which is really difficult. So I think I think the best approach in terms of communicating this and trying to shape the narrative yourself is that from the very start, you want to forecast and set expectations around what you think is going to happen mm. and how long it will take. Because I think transparency is key here you want people to know that it is going to take a while we will be looking at metrics in the meantime but some of those metrics might actually go down before they go up again and this is expected so making it very clear that we calculated this in 
we know what we're doing, we've expected this, we're actually forecasting that it will again get better. I think that's a really important part of the whole story. How do you take the sting out of these anecdotal reports, though, of like the migrant who robbed someone? Like, because you you can't really say, we anticipate that like half a percent of migrants are going to rob people in advance <laughs> because that kind of poisons you out of yeah. the gate. Yeah. Um, but you, you you basically do expect that half a percent of migrants are going to rob people because because there's some proportion of native people I mean, who rob course, people yeah. too. Yeah. And so how do you like? Do you have any ideas about because this is this is true for a product framework too. If you mm-hmm. if you roll something out, things are going to go wrong for some proportion mm-hmm. of users. If you if you try to do anything big and exciting, if your Twitter or your Facebook, some amount of users are going to like prof, like yeah. propagate hate speech on it. How do you kind of call out? this is expected and it's a cost we're willing to pay yeah. without sounding heartless. Do you have any thoughts on this? It's a, it's a really tough one. To me, I think you just kind of stay calm and collected and keep pointing out that this is how things work, I suppose. I, I don't think there's any kind of glossing over that some bad things might happen. But I guess sticking to the whole, we, we were expecting this, maybe even releasing some sort of... Um, I don't know, prospectus or something prior where you can that you can then point back to and say, look, this is still in line with what we were saying. You know, we we were talking about this even before we started the project. We were saying that this might happen. This is still in line and it's going to get better. Like we, you know, I, I think that's that's kind of all you can do and try to diffuse the situation like that. I guess also I would say, with um, the integration efforts, hopefully hopefully that would go against people pointing their fingers at, at migrants um, because they are now the neighbor and so on. I guess like a holistic approach to this whole thing. Yeah, and I, th- I think actually that last bit you t- spoke on, I think that's the important one because what you – we instinctively want to counter it with data, but I think we talked about in the second episode mm-hmm. or in the first episode um, that you need different approaches to the messaging for different yeah. stakeholder groups. And so the data is better for the convince the the sort of bureaucrats and the politicians to continue with the program, but it's the voters who are going to suddenly be up in arms about yeah. the one migrant who robs them. I think you might need a counter meme in place to say – Forget that. Don't think about the robber uh, migrants. Mm-hmm. Here's um, he here's like Juan who now runs mm-hmm. like runs a little local business and is living next door to a native neighbor and they get along great. His his children are playing in the local yeah. soccer, soccer team. The success stories kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. And so you counter mm-hmm. the you counter the you counter the sort of anecdotes with your own anecdotes of yeah. positive, fantastic migrants like that the community would have would have missed out on if yeah. if you hadn't had that and so i think that that might be the important thing and yeah. so yeah and I, I do remember quite a few um organizations in australia that are doing exactly that there's uh-huh. one that's called i came by boat i think oh, um, cool. and they highlight those stories there's also an, a former um university friend of ours um usman is now running a um sort of catalyzer i think it's for oh migrant, migrant um, entrepreneurs, um, entrepreneurs right? oh, that's um, super kind cool. of like a an incubator kind of thing oh yeah um there's all these kinds of efforts on the ground which i think are really important for this stuff be a bastion against the yeah. the potentially negative stories exactly yeah. okay so that's for forecasting ahead and then i guess the other side is calling back to like 
what are we uh, telling people to expect, right? Yeah, exactly. And I guess also, what are we what are we telling people to expect in terms of yeah, we're, we're pointing towards this is going to happen, but then in the end, also thinking about okay, what do we consider the success here? Mm-hmm. Like when when is this program successful, mm-hmm. and how do we call that? And I think this is a tough one because, like we were saying, the, those metrics probably very likely aren't all aligned Mm. Um, one might go up the other might go down so it's an interesting problem to then think about okay so what is enough here is it if most numbers are are looking better than before is it some if so which ones so this is important to think through as well like what do we have a ranking um, and yeah, what, I guess what is enough to consider the success? Yeah, and how strongly do we want to come out saying, unless it's a one percent increase in GDP from this, then yeah. it's no good. Yes, true, um, true. It really is nuanced. I mean, our in our uh, Miss CEO <laughs> gave us a good ten-ish metrics. Yes, very, yeah. It's 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 a lot demanding. I know, um, but that also <laughs> means that I, I think you're exactly right. Mm. Entirely pretty likely that even after a few years there'll be mixed indicators and so it'll come down to a question of whether as a community as a society we're willing to accept okay happiness and gdp have gone up um but maybe something else is kind of neutral or maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit negative like is that still the trade-off we're willing to make um i mean hopefully they're all positive but Mm. i wouldn't want to call out yes they're definitely all going to be positive because that poisons it if you've if you've missed any of your shots um, yeah, and so I think I think at least just calling out the key indicators and reassuring people that this is what we're looking at, mm-hmm. and we'll make sure that we communicate what the effects have been and be super transparent. The overall goal here is just build trust in the process yeah. and build build the faith of the community that we're doing this not because we are diehard open borders or bust mm-hmm. fanatics we're doing this to achieve good outcomes we yeah. really we really want to improve gdp per capita we want to improve yeah. your safety and also people's ability to integrate in the community like yeah. this is what we care about this is just like open borders is just a means to do yeah, so. yeah exactly like the the end goal isn't open borders kind of like i think we were alluding to that in some other episode earlier but the end goal is to create prosperity and create a better life for everyone right exactly. so that's that's why we're doing this and if we're finding that open borders isn't the way we're happy to scrap that idea exactly we'll we'll go back to the drawing board and i guess just repeating that message of yeah. uh, we want what you want we want more prosperity yeah. um and this is just the way we think at the moment, we hypothesize is a good way of getting there. Exactly. So, like, find out and, like, come and see with us, basically. Like, wait, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. wait and come see. Come on the journey. We'll learn together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Cool. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our second mini-series. Wow. Crazy. Open borders solved. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Move on to the next You're thing. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> As a quick recap, in this mini-series, we talked about a lot of things. Well. But... As always, we had three episodes and the first one was really all about defining our stakeholder groups and how to convince them. Mm -hmm. The second episode was all about the roadmap and we talked about what is the MVP scope and what needs to be done before we can launch it. In this episode, we talked about analyzing the results. So what metrics we wanted to measure, 
how to test in a robust way and also how co to communicate the results. Which has been uh, super cool. I've really enjoyed yes. this episode. Um, have a look at the website as always. We've got a bunch of cool links on there. Get involved. There are actually groups working towards open borders. So yeah. if this is something interesting to you and it kind of is to us, to be honest. Um, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's why we chose this topic. Exactly. Right? So. And so check them out. If you have any comments, any thoughts, we would love to hear from you as always. And look, now that we've conquered D&D &D and open borders, we mm -hmm. really wanted to, like there were few frontiers left <laughs> here on the earth so for the next yeah. mini series we decided we had to go galactic um we did and uh or at least solar systemic uh solar systemic, solar systemic. anyway yeah. <laughs> above the earth uh so we're going to be colonizing <laughs> mars for we the next be. mini series yes. uh so we hope you'll come back and join us for yet another three-part mini series uh mm -hmm. next week until then stay safe it's been fun and uh, we'll talk to you then talk to you soon bye bye